It's the one you've been waiting for. Welcome to the 11th episode of Season 3 of the Around the Outside podcast. As I was saying in the last episode, if you didn't listen to that, go listen to it now. As I said, this is my this episode will be my review of this of season two of the test. Um, I I finished watching it about a day ago. I've had a day to process it. I've been a bit obviously. I'm recording this on the Monday, so I've been um, I think yeah, I'm recording this on the Monday, um, which is a, a holiday for me. So I've been able to watch it on been able to watch it this weekend. I honestly think it is a very good, I think it's, the first thoughts were, it's ve- it's very, emph- it, it's an emphatic way to sort of symbolise that, you know, we're start they're like the starting a new road. That's the, mo- that's the theme of this, like, the theme of this is probably, you know, this is, we're starting a new era, there's not a lot. Some era start smoothly, some era start badly, and I think this one for Australia definitely started smoothly. Um, also, yeah, I probably should mention um, that this podcast will contain spoilers for the test. So if you haven't listened, haven't watched the test, go watch it now. Uh, I suggest, or unless he's, unless you're one of those pe- one of those people in the friend group who likes to get who likes to get spoiled, um, and has everything told to them. So. Yeah, um, this will contain spoilers. So without further ado, let's get into it. So the first thoughts of the test are that, for me, it wasn't as good as the first season. I thought, yeah, it's a, it's a very good way of portraying what happens in a dressing room, but it's mainly centred around the test team, and it's not as widely spread as the last series. Well, it's not, you know, not only the test series, but the white ball series. They did have a couple... I know they did have a white, a couple white ball series, um, in that period. So they definitely could have had some focus on white ball cricket. I would love to see if they could, um, do a section on the T Twenty World Cup, which they obviously won. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I mean, obviously, I don't think they did a great, a unbelievable job with it. As in, I mean, it wasn't as good as the first season. But there was a, I think it was a really fit, real feeling of, you know, of like Pat Cummings being the main character, and there was a couple of side characters. That's what here's what I mean. There was a lot of emphasis emphasis on Pat Cummings. He was a lot. He was someone who was like always. I think it was at like half of the screen time, um, and that was a bit worrying for me because no one else was really getting a lot of say. I mean, David Warner got a couple of snippets. Usman Kawaja was also a massive, a massive um, figure in the series because he was, I think, yeah, he, he was sort of like, like, he was the comeback kid, wasn't he? He was sort of coming back from um, missing out in the squad. So that was nice to see um, that he was, um, he was back and yeah, I thought, yeah, and it was nice to see that the team was behind him again. But for me, it's about how Pat Cummings is taking on the cap, um, taking on the captaincy, getting used to that captaincy, and really sort of um, getting getting new skill, um, learning new skills about the captaincy, and re- um, making him improve as a cricketer. I think 
I think another thing that needs to be highlighted is that there isn't a lot of mention about Justin Langer. He didn't get a lot of screen time in the in the before he was sacked, I guess, in the first um couple episode before he was sacked. As as coach and that's what it's not a, they probably could have used that as a lot a lot better and created a little bit more drive. You know how that like in um uh Drive to Survive and also like in the new tennis documentary Break Breakpoint, um I saw as well, as they've also they also make um Drive to Survive the same produ- they're the same producers. Um especially in Drive to Survive they build up a lot of ten- unnecessary tension. I feel like that could have been used well here. That might have this might have actually needed a bit more tension. This is there was a little bit more laid back series, and it was really sort of about a team coming together and, and Pat Cummings just leading that team. But yeah, it could have done with a bit more tension. I'm not sure they were winning most of the, most of the time. I think they won all won a lot of those games, but and the only real bit of tension was when they were in. When they were in uh, uh, Pakistan and they were, str- they were struggling in the first two, de- on the f- in the first two tests, um, when they were struggling, that was the only bit of tension they had. I think it was because I'm not sure to phrase it, but it was the only sort of time that they struggled in that whole in that whole period. Apart from maybe in the ashes where they were, maybe on. No, I don't think they have on the back foot in the ashes. Maybe, maybe they were on the back foot in the ashes, like when um, behind the scenes between coach and player group. That was maybe when they were on the back foot. But yeah, there was no tension, there was no drama like in the first one. Um, that I think it was in the first one. The drama and the tension was conveyed a lot better, uh, which is a shame. But yeah, overall. I mean, there wasn't a ma- I think the hype there was a massive hype over it, and yeah, maybe it didn't deliver, but it's hard to tell. This all this um, series, especially, had a lot less episodes than the other one. I think it had um, um, half the episodes the other one had. I think the first series had nine, the second series had four. Which is a shame. I think they should have done a lot more episodes. Um, and really gone into depth about each tour. I think they could have done another one, as I said, for the T20 World Cup. They could have done a lot more episodes to show the drama and everything that was going on in the camp. I think the other bit of drama was Ma- um, Maxi was nearly going to get in the squad... Um, the big show himself. Um, yeah, glad Max was only getting a spot in the, in the squad because Travis Head was injured. But yeah, that was a bit of drama, but also a bit of sadness because I love seeing Max on the squad. But obviously, I hadn't really followed. I, I hadn't really followed a lot of Australian cricket over the last. Um, over that period. Over that period, apart from the. Um, Ashes, I hadn't really followed Australian cricket, I, I watched a little bit, a couple of Boxing Day tests, obviously you watch the Boxing Day test, um, but I'd, I hadn't really gone into like, massive depth about them, um, but yeah, I mean, 
I, I didn't. I, this one that probably helped me because then I, it felt a little bit more unknown. I didn't really know what was going to happen, apart from the fact that they were going to absolutely smash us in the, uh, yeah, clatter us in the ashes. Um, and they won in Pakistan, which I knew about. That's a pretty. Uh, I'm following that series pretty closely because I'd watch it in the. I could watch it here in the US, but I don't really know how to explain this series. I mean. The positives were um, as a more a lot more depth into Kawaja, how he struggled with that, with being out of the team for so long. Um, I thought that episode when they're talking about Scott Boland being um in the squad and um for the third test against England and how his his background through um the tribes he lived in was I thought that was very good as well. Also like um I also liked you know I also liked when uh Alex Carey and and, and Travis had their relationship um and how they started how they become such good test cricketers for Australia, how Alex Carey got in the squad, Travis Travis had came back and um got that hundred and had a very good series against um England in the ashes. <laughs> I thought I thought um Smith um Marmus is also quite um chirpy as he always is. I mean that's like the locker room talk. Um I remember like a scene where he was like flipping a toasty he liked to he liked to leave his toasty cold. Like wh- why would you leave a toasty cold? <laughs> like that's the reason it's called a toasty. Um but yeah, Marnus was also quite pretty funny. Um, I think like um, they had like a goal, especially in Pakistan. Those sort of like bubble life clips was also a bit fun of like Warner versus Labashane in tennis. Um, there were also a couple of people people playing on the golf simulator, and, and like Steve Smith was like, "Oh yeah, we need a coffee machine." <laughs> yeah, it, it's quite fun, and it's especially the security they got in Pakistan. And and sort of staying a statement that we we haven't been there for twenty I think it's twenty four years. We want to make a statement. We want to go there and show the world that you know we can go to Pakistan and we can play in Pakistan, um, which is now what a lot of teams are doing, which is a very good sign. And I, I think it's shown that you know cricket can be played everywhere, um, and it's, it's nice to see that um, as uh, sort of. Trust being gained um, by um, by teams across the world to um, Pakistan about how they want to about how they want to sort of address the problems in Pakistan and go there and play um, and make and make a country a cricket a country proud and a country happy to see cricket there considering how. Much is struggling right now with all the floods and everything, um, so yeah, it will be. I I really hope that um, teams keep on going to Pakistan. But yeah, um, that's my review of of the test. That's all I've pretty got. Um, I've really much what to say. Oh, will would I like to see season three? It depends on what happens in Australian cricket over the last couple next few months. Um, but yeah, I mean. 
It would be nice to see season three if it's a sort of take season one and use and and film it in the way that they did it for season one. Although I would like to see the behind the scenes from other teams. I think England would also. I think I'd love to see a documentary about England, considering how they're like their their rise back to back to form. That would be very nice to see, but. Yeah, let, let, let's see, let's see um, what happens with all this Amazon Prime documentary. I mean, they might get on the all or nothing spectrum, let's see. Um, in other news, Jim Radcliffe has stepped up to buy his boyhood club, Manchester United, his company, Iron E. Inos, I think it's Inos, that's how you say it. They want to buy, oh, he wants to buy Manchester United, which is his boyhood club. I'm personally pretty happy about this. Um, Jim Radcliffe is a fan of Man United. He know he he knows what um issues the club need to address, and hopefully he can address that. Um, one worry I have though is that maybe I mean obviously he does have the money, but I think it'll be hard for him to continually invest. I know obviously though some of that fund will come from the sponsorships and the revenue that the club is generating. I don't think all of that, I don't think the majority of that will come, the money will come from the revenue. I think Rad, Jim Radcliffe's got to, got to invest a lot of money. Um, the, how much he's willing to invest will be interesting. But, yeah, I feel like he has to, st- he, has to he has to continually invest into the club. Not only invest, but do stuff for the community as well and get the fans behind him. Um, by not only, I don't think Man United have been... The reason Man United have had their fans slightly behind them is because they've been spending money in the transfer market and getting big players in. Now, they're in a situation where they, they don't, their transfer strategies all over the place. They only need to be buying players that Ten Hag and the, the manager wants... Um, in his system. So I think that um, Jim Radcliffe needs to have a, a board that will back the manager rather than a board they had under the Glazers where they've not backed uh, world-class managers like Mourinho. Um, Solskjaer is a world-class manager, but Mourinho, um, Van Gaal. Um, I'm not going to say Ralph Ragnick, but <laughs> you, you, know, you, know I'm, you know what I mean. Like they they they've tried with these sort of managers and they failed, so something some sort of balance needs to be found. Um, hopefully, they can. Hopefully, they can uh, address that with Radcliffe at the helm. But it it hasn't been confirmed yet. They've only he's only just um, opened a formal process to bid for the club. So let's see what happens in the next couple days, maybe even months. Um, but honestly, I, I, I'm full behind in this bit. Apparently, I think he's going to get a consortium of investors behind as well. Maybe Lewis Hamilton to step up the funds like he did for Chelsea. Because um, um, Mercedes is sponsored by Ineos. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see Lewis by Man United. <laughs> Personally, I, that would be nice. But yeah, that's where I'm going to end it for the Man United podcast. This is a short one. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode um thank you for listening and goodbye